one constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. The ladies are taking my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, the Watch Out World. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. This is the Beyond the Game program coming to you from the BGG studios in Rochester, New York. Our first broadcast of this new de- of this new year, I almost said of this new day. Sports talk without the trash talk. I'm Rick Benson. With me, as always, is Zach Barletta, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. So many places to start this week's show, but I think it's only appropriate, Zach, to start with the Buffalo Bills. Besides, if I don't, I sort of fear that you won't be able to contain yourself and you're just going to start randomly shouting things out like, the Bills are in the playoffs, the Bills are in the playoffs, the Bills are in the playoffs. Most of our regular listeners know that I'm a New York Giants fan, but it was a great day for me this past Sunday. I, I got to see my Giants, but then I got to watch the Bills game right after. The Giants were the early game, the Bills were the late game, both were on television here in Western New York, and it was fun. You know, I, I'm a local sports fan. I enjoy rooting for the Buffalo Bills. I root for New York City teams only because I grew up near mm-hmm. there. I grew up down in the Hudson Valley. All my teams are New York teams. So living here in Western New York for 20-some years now, I really like the Buffalo Bills. There's only one circumstance where I'm not rooting for the Buffalo Bills, when they're playing the New York Giants. I don't really understand people, do you, who don't at least want to see their local team succeed? Yeah, I don't understand that. I, You and I know some people that are very hateful and spiteful towards the local teams and like to call them out at any possible opportunity. And I don't understand it. You know, if they're not a direct rival of the team you're a fan of, then what's the deal? You know, I, I, I'm it's, a New York Ranger fan, but I feel good when the Sabres do well. It's not often, but I do. It's fine to have your favorite team, but if that's not the local team, wouldn't you at least want them to do well the same? Kind of like with me and the Giants. I I like the Buffalo Bills. I want to see them do well, with the exception of one time when they're playing my team. So if you root for somebody else, but there, as you say, there are some people that are proactive almost in rooting against the local team. They jump on social media in some sad cry for help and attention by cheering whoever whoever the local team is playing and you see it you see certain people they make their posts hey i hope the bills lose or hey mm-hmm. you know hope syracuse goes down or whatever it is yeah. it's as if they're compensating for some pathetic insignificant part of their life i don't know what that might be but yeah but it, this week those people can suck a lemon because the bills are in the playoffs <laughs> in case you hadn't heard uh, see i knew it was coming but it was so exciting to watch the bills who Really were in control throughout the whole game. The bill, uh, mm-hmm. it, it got a little bit tense at the end. You wondered, all right, yeah. but you never really thought the Dolphins were coming. Yeah. It back. wouldn't have been a Bills game if it didn't get tense and almost blown at the end. And throughout most of the game, the Ravens were losing. So mm-hmm. as a Bills fan, you're sitting there in really good position, and all of a sudden you looked up, and the Ravens were winning. In that span of what was it, five minutes? 
I aged probably 20 years because <laughs> the Dolphins got within six points of the Bills and recovered the onsides kick, and the Ravens took a lead within a few minutes of each other. And then, even after the Bills managed to hold on to win, on that final scoring drive by the Bengals, Andy Dalton should have been intercepted about four times. There were balls that were way overthrown. There were balls that were tipped up in the air. One pass actually was intercepted, but there was a penalty that negated it, and it was just a um, an incredibly stressful 15 to 20 minute span. And then that touchdown pass mm-hmm. at the end of the game by Andy Dalton. Bill's game had ended. You know, they're all in the locker room watching this. I I leapt off the couch and yelled mm-hmm. out loud. Yeah. I can only imagine. What was your reaction? You're a lifelong Bills fan. I uh I scared my children. Uh we were at my parents' house watching and uh my kids were in the room sort of playing with toys on the floor and stuff, and when that touchdown was scored, I jumped off the couch and I pumped my fist and I went, Yeah, you know, in a really loud football fan kind of voice and my son started crying <laughs> i have no regrets nice scare your children i i got to thinking about it as the game was progressing i obviously i i'm much older i have a recollection of the bills super bowl teams obviously that great super bowl where both my teams the giants and the bills were both there how exciting was that it's more but exciting I, for you guys I, well, it was, <laughs> but it was a great football game but my point was being older, I remember these games, mm-hmm. and then I got to thinking about you, who, you know, I don't. You're you're much younger. I, I realize you're a father. You got a couple of kids. You have a, you got a career, a house, and all mm-hmm. this. So I don't necessarily think of you as some young kid, but you were a teenager, a young. Teenager I was thirteen when years old. Yeah, won, right. I was thirteen years old the last time they were in the playoffs. My dad and I were actually at the game, uh, the last game that they one to clinch a playoff game or to a playoff appearance. My dad and I were at that game. That was a fun time. I remember the Music City Miracle, which, by the way, was a forward pass. <laughs> and I remember even then, as a you know, 13-year-old, not completely understanding what had happened, but knowing enough to know that the Bills got robbed and carrying that with me for you know 18 years. Yeah, I guess you know, you're still carrying it. And w- without getting overly sappy, Darren was all over social media talking about how he shed tears and blah, blah, blah. But what were your feelings as that Bengals-Ravens game turned out? What, what do you remember about past playoff teams? Because, again, you were you were young. As far as the past play, the, the past teams, I remember, most of all, I remember missed opportunities. Because for most of that drought, the Bills were never bad, like legitimately terrible bad you know they they were never bad enough to pick high and get that quarterback to break the streak you know they were always sort of in the middle seven and nine eight and eight occasionally nine and seven and just stuck in this cycle of mediocrity not good enough not bad enough and i remember you know a few years ago when they started five and oh and we thought this is it man this is it you know they only have to win half their games from here on out and i think they won what one or two more the rest of the season and I remember the year that all they had to do was beat the Steelers in the last game who had benched all their starters, and they couldn't do it. And uh, I remember Stevie Johnson dropping the touchdown pass in that game. And just, I think if I if I had to sum up those years, it would be missed opportunities. You know, for Bills fans out here, I can kind of understand everybody's excited about the Bills being in the playoffs. If they just stay for one game, that's still 
it's so exciting for Bills fans because it has been so long. Mm-hmm. So many people like yourself, we forget you were very young the last time the Bills were in the playoffs. I mentioned fans that root against their local teams, and I also don't consider people who only follow winners to be real sports fans either. <laughs> I sort of I disregard those people who are, are so I, I, what would you say? Passionately rooting against their local team, they're mm-hmm. they're antagonistic about it. I don't consider them real sports fans. They can they're jerks. But I also don't consider people who only follow winners. Yeah. Look, ten, eleven year old kids are just getting into sports or figuring out their the, who their favorite team is. I give them yeah. a pass. But I admire your stick to itiveness when it comes to rooting for the Bills. I look. I'm a New York Knicks fan, so I'm with you. And let's not forget that the Yankees, who I also root for, they've had success now since the mid-90s, 20-some years mm-hmm. of success. But they had 20-some years of not success prior yeah. to that. There were some pretty bad Yankee teams. I wouldn't exactly compare you and your stick with the Bills to the Apostle Paul, but it is faithfulness all the same. Check out this list from 2 Corinthians. It's just got me thinking. Chapter 11, verses 24 to 28. Some of the things that Paul endured, but yet remained faithful to the cause of the Christ. This is 2 Corinthians, as I say, chapter 11, verse 24. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes, so the, the man was whipped. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Three times I was shipwrecked. At a night and a day I have spent in the deep. I, I have been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, Dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. Verse 27 says, I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Man, he went through all this stuff and still remained faithful. That does kind of sound like being a Bills fan. (laughs) (laughs) To the cause of Christ. Why would Paul go through that? Because God is worth it. His promises, which he always keeps, makes any struggles that we have here on earth worthwhile. And in much the same way, I think a lack of faith kind of tears us down. In spiritual terms, disbelief can be considered, I think, maybe the worst of sins because it's quietly behind really every other sin that people commit. When Satan tempted Eve in the garden, he got her to disbelieve Scripture. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1, he's like, Has God really said you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? He was saying, basically, you don't believe that, do you? If people really believed God, they wouldn't involve themselves in a lot of the sins that they do because they would know they would face his judgment. So really, there's that disbelief that underlies all our sins. By not believing God, we're free to do as we want because we don't really believe it. In fact, the more it continues, the more that disbelief sort of hardens our hearts against God's standards of holiness. Here's the deal. God rewards faithfulness. Win or lose, as we said, Bills fans are excited. Mm -hmm. There is an excitement here in Western New York. They've enjoyed a great season. They're looking forward to what's to come. The Bills fans have re- the Bill Buffalo Bills have rewarded their fans for their faithfulness. 
And God rewards his children the same way for their faithfulness. I, I said the same way. It's not really. It's obviously much more significant than a football game. <laughs> Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. just want to encourage you, don't lose faith. My man Zach over here, he's so excited. His bills are in the playoffs. He didn't lose faith. Stay focused when it comes to spiritual terms on the task at hand, which, of course, is continuing our service for God, continuing to strive for the cause of the gospel. Stay focused on God's promises as well, though. He's promised to be with us through our struggles, to see us through us. He will never leave us. He's promised that he will provide and that he has prepared a place in heaven for those who would believe. Coming up a little later on the show, we're going to get into a little college football. The University of Central Florida Knights completed a perfect season with a Peach Bowl victory over Auburn, a pretty exciting game, and uh, they're feeling like they should have an opportunity to play for a national championship. And if you agree with that, I think you're dead wrong. There's no way they should. (laughs) Zach has a fresh set of shenanigans statements, and of course we'll tell you what it is that we like this week. Along with Zach Barletta, I am Rick Benson, and this is the Beyond the Game program. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that could pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024 and let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. The studio line is 585-431-1202. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever your favorite social media platform is, at BTG Program. The NFL playoffs start this weekend, and we're going to have a little fun and give you our predictions for how we think things will play out. But before we do that, in the interest of full disclosure, I want you to know that I 
hate making predictions. And let's be honest, Zach, nobody really knows what's going to happen. How can you predict something that you haven't any way to know how injuries, weather, or however other number of factors is going to affect? But that said, Zach loves it for some reason and and loves (laughs) even more roping me into these foolish segments and just to make it a little more fun. That's really the only reason to do it, to be honest, (laughs) to make you have to do it, even though you hate it. To make it a little more fun, we we thought we'd do something that most other shows similar to ours never do. I can't think of any time I've heard somebody do what we're about to do. Let's go back and take a look at our predictions for the season from our NFL preview show we did back in early September. Most people don't want to be reminded about how clueless they really are about things like this, and they don't want you to know that either. You ever notice that, Zach? Nobody does this that that I'm aware of. They they do the predictions. You see their previews, but you never see the results. They never go back and look at, hey, this is where we yeah. got right, what we got wrong. I think a lot of people do it like Darren, where they make a whole bunch of predictions, and they'll be right on one or two, and they just talk about those one or two nonstop. Of course, some predictions will unfold as we expected, but the reality is many won't. Here, Here's me from back in early September and how I thought the NFC East was going to go. In the NFC East, I've got Cowboys, Giants. Giants is a playoff team. Eagles, Redskins. And I will tell you that I went back and forth between the Cowboys and the Giants. And I, I had to really stop and think, is it because I'm a Giants fan that I'm giving them all this extra love? Or, or do I really believe that they're that good? And I think they are that good. So that went well. We specifically spent time talking about the Bills, which you said they would finish 6-10. and 10. I saw them finishing 8-8, eight and eight, but we also talked about my Giants, and here we are specifically. All right, let's look now. a little closer at the New York Giants. They are a very good football team. I <laughs> believe so. I've got them at 10-6. and six. Oh, boy. Giants in first place. <laughs> well, we obviously couldn't have been any further off there. Hey, we did get a couple of things right. Hey, Zach, you were spot on. You said this I about do think the Rams. The Rams will be a lot better than people think. Yeah, and and they were. Yeah, they here they were. are in the playoffs. Here, let's. Here's our Super Bowl picks. This is this is pretty interesting. You'll like this. I've got a Packers Patriots Super Bowl with the Patriots winning the whole thing. I got a Titans Packers Super Bowl. I'm giving it to the Packers because Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Well, at least your predicted Super Bowl champion's actually in the playoffs. <laughs> well, yours is too. The Titans are there. Yeah, well, I picked the Packers to win the Super Bowl, and they're not even oh, in the right. playoffs. Okay, so, uh, yeah, so clearly I have no business being on the radio. Nobody else does either, by the way. That's the thing. Nobody else <laughs> reminds you of that. I, in review of the AFC, I had the Patriots, Steelers, Titans, and Raiders winning divisions. The Texans and Chiefs making the playoffs as wild card teams. You basically had the same thing, except you had the Broncos instead of the Chiefs as a wild card Oof. team. Well, and I'll tell you, the Broncos are not all that far off, Zach. If they had just, if their defense plays the way they, they ought to, if they can get just mediocre quarterback play, mm-hmm. that team is right back in the playoffs, in my opinion. And as far as the NFC go- goes, we're a little further off here. I had the Cowboys, Packers, Falcons, and Seahawks winning divisions, the Giants and the Cardinals joining them as wild cards. And, and of course, so many injuries played a factor here, but we 
I, well, at least I'm speaking for me, clearly butchered the NFC because it didn't turn out like that at all. Zach, you had basically the same thing. You had the Giants as the division winners, Cowboys as a wild card, and you had, though, the Vikings instead of the Cardinals, which I chose getting in as a super uh, as a wild card. So the Vikings did have a great season and, and are looking strong. So clearly I was uh, all aboard the Case Keenum train. I knew what was going on. <laughs> the Case Keenum train. Let's move on. And now that we know who exactly is in the playoffs, let's look at how the games will go on. This uh, weekend's wild card matchups feature the Tennessee Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs. I've got the Kansas City Chiefs, Zach. I, they, they're not nearly the same team that started the season so strong, but Tennessee is 3-5 and five on the road, and Arrowhead Stadium is no fun to play for an opposing team. So I got the Chiefs. Me too. And I have a very simple reason, which is just that Tennessee is not good. So I, You're I, a Super Bowl pick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, January me is now much wiser than September me. But uh, yeah, Kansas City is going to crush Tennessee. Buffalo Bills at Jacksonville Jaguars. Look, I'm, I'm glad the Bills are there. I am. I'm so, as we mentioned in the opening, I'm excited with the rest of Western New York, except for a couple of buffoons who like to root against their local team. <laughs> but I think it'll be a short playoff stay for the Bills, mostly because recently they've struggled against the run, which is something Jacksonville probably plans to do plenty of. On paper, it looks like a really good matchup for Jacksonville. And I just have this feeling, whether it's emotion because of, you know, what happened on Sunday or not. But I think the Bills are going to win this game. Do you really? Yeah. The Atlanta Falcons and the L.A. Rams. I, I This is a game I could see going either way. By the way, I hope you're right. I hope the Bills do beat Jacksonville. I don't want to be completely shocked if any of these, because you're, you're talking playoff teams now. Mm-hmm. These are all pretty decent football teams to get this far. So if anything goes against what we're saying here, it's not a complete shock. But as far as the Atlanta Falcons and the L.A. Rams, I see this going either way. But this, to be honest, is just a hunch pick. I'm going with the Rams. I'm taking the Rams as well. Um they're so good offensively. The defense, I still think, doesn't get as much respect as it deserves. And look, Atlanta had to squeak into the playoffs in the final week. They do not look anything like the Super Bowl team of last year. I am taking the Rams. Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints. The Saints already beat the Panthers twice this season. Now, I've always said that it's tough to beat a team three times, but apparently I've always been wrong. <laughs> because I heard a stat this week that it actually happens more than not. It may be tough, but it actually happens more than not. Since 1970, the twice-victorious team has won the third time. They met 13 out of 20 times. That's not a bad ratio. No, that's what I'm saying. I always thought, it well, it's tough to beat a team three times. It seems like it should be, right? Well, it may be tough, but it does but it does happen more often than it doesn't. So anyway, I got the Saints winning a third time. What do you think? I do also. Um I just think that, you know, the Saints at home are are so good and I think that Carolina's hopes come down to whether they get good Cam Newton or bad Cam Newton. You know, if you get the Cam Newton that we just saw recently who is overthrowing his receivers constantly, then it could be a long day for Carolina, and the Saints are just so good, and they're finally good on both sides of the ball. I think they're going to make a deep playoff run. Based on our predictions from that round, that means a divisional round. We have the same divisional matchups with the exception of uh, the Steelers and Jaguars. You're going to have the Bills and the Steelers. So I, I here, 
I would say home field advantage, the extra week make all the difference, and I see the Steelers beating the Jaguars. So in your situation, it would be the Steelers and the Bills. It would. Oh, no, actually, the Steelers I believe would play New England. The Bills would play New England, yeah, because New England gets the low seed. Okay, so how do you see that going? Going into New England, I think New England wins that game. I, I, it might be a close game. So then you would have the Chiefs at the Steelers. Mm-hmm. How do you see that one? I think the Steelers win it. Chief Steelers traditionally is a close, hard-fought game, but um, the Steelers are another team that it's just hard to pick against them. Because I have Jacksonville beating Buffalo, my matchups are a little different. I see that so the Chiefs would be playing the Patriots. The Patriots have a week off. They have home field advantage. And let's just be real, playoffs are what the Patriots do. So I see the Patriots winning. And same thing for Pittsburgh. The, the home field and the extra week make all the difference. The NFC... You and I have the same matchups, the Saints and the Eagles. Uh, I think like most people, and I'm going to guess you agree with me, this would be different if Carson Wentz were playing, but he's mm-hmm. not. So unfortunately for the Eagles, I think they're a one and gun. And I think they probably get crushed by the Rams. Or it would be the Saints, the Saints. right? Yeah. Well, they get crushed by the Saints too. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't matter if yeah. they play. Nick- the Rams will be playing the Vikings, which – I'm going to take defense over offense every time in the playoffs, and the Vikings have a significant edge there. This is maybe the hardest matchup to pick of these entire playoffs because I like both these teams so much. Um, I think in the end, I've got to go with the home team. I would have to go with Minnesota, but I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be a hard-fought game, and I think Case Keenum beats his old team in the playoffs. Moving on to the conference championship game, then you got the Steelers and the Patriots, and that should be a great game. Yeah. That should be one that could go either way. But the Patriots not only have home field advantage, and well, I I think that probably is what it comes down to the home field. I guess since I picked the Patriots to win the Super Bowl in September and really going out on a limb there, I know, but. I'm going to ride it out and stay stay with the Patriots, but this is a game that could go either way. I'm just Patriots have the edge because of home field. I would go the other way, and I will take the Steelers. Look, I wouldn't be shocked. I think the Steelers play in a cold weather environment as well. Steelers fans travel really well. There will be a bunch of them in that stadium, um, and Probably I just got a chip on their shoulder. Yeah, and I just think that the Steelers are so good offensively right now. That with this potentially also being Big Ben's final season, I think they go in there and I think they get it done and go to the Super Bowl. Probably have Antonio Brown, probably mm-hmm. not at 100%, but they'll have some form of Antonio Brown. So, I, I look, I can see it, but I'm still going to pick with the, st- stick with the Patriots. Saints and Vikings in the NFC Championship game. The Vikings are just too good. They'll have, in my opinion, I, I think that having that extra motivation of being the team that gets to play at home will be uh, and host the Super Bowl, I think will be an extra motivation that pushes Minnesota. And this, to me, is probably as close to as mis- a mismatch as we get in conference championships. I have a tough time with this one, too. Yeah. Um, just because I think what the Saints do offensively doesn't really play into the Vikings' strength because they win by basically by throwing passes to the running backs. Still, with that said, I think I would have to go with the home team with Minnesota. I I think it'll be a lot closer than you do. Um, yeah, but I don't think it'll be close at all. I do think that Minnesota wins and goes on to be the home team in their own stadium in the Super Bowl. And then, of course, we have the Super Bowl. I have the Patriots and the Minnesota Vikings, which would essentially be a road game for the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. 
Should be a classic Super Bowl, but there are two things at play in this matchup. The Patriots win Super Bowls, and the Vikings lose Super Bowls. So (laughs) I I would see that trend continuing. You, however, would have the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Minnesota Vikings. So what say you about that? I would take the Steelers. Um, I know it would be a home game for the Vikings. I know that they're an elite, elite defense, especially against the pass. I just love what the Steelers do offensively so much. I think that they can win with short passes to the receivers because their receivers are such amazing athletes. Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster and Martavis Bryant and then Le'Veon Bell almost is like having an extra wide receiver. So I think that the if anybody could go into Minnesota and beat the Vikings, I think it would be the Steelers. So I will take the Steelers over the Vikings. All right. That's what we think anyway. Who knows what will actually happen. Probably the complete opposite of what we just said. And like I said before, everybody else has the same situation. You get a couple right, you get a couple wrong, but that's how we think it's going to go. Let us know what you think. You can tweet at us. Give us your playoff predictions at BTG Program. want to encourage you to stick around. we got a lot more to do coming up. We're still going to talk a little college football. we got shenanigans. We'll tell you what it is that we like this week. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Here's the Red Hawks recap for this week. The Red Hawks recap being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. Most of the Red Hawks teams were still inactive due to the holiday break. It was, however, a busy weekend for the women's basketball team. A week ago Friday, they kicked off a three-game road trip through New England with a 82-72 win over St. Michael's College. Each of the Roberts Five starters scored in double digits. Sophomore Taya Andrews went for 20 points, and fellow sophomore Emily Miller got her seventh double-double of the year with 16 points and 11 rebounds. The next day brought another victory for the Red Hawks, this time over St. Anselm College, 82-68. Senior Nikita James finished with 20 points and 9 assists, while Miller added another 17 points to go along with 8 rebounds. They weren't as fortunate on Monday, though, as they played for the third time in four days, losing this time to Stonehill College, 77-59. Miller and senior Lucy Cobley each had a team-high 17 points in the loss. Let me remind you that both the men's and the women's basketball teams return home on Saturday, January 6th for a doubleheader against Damon College, a great opportunity not only to see the only D2 college basketball in Rochester, but to cheer on both the men's and the women's Red Hawks teams in person at the Baller Athletic Center at the Roberts Wesleyan campus. Women tip off at 2 p.m., followed by the men at 4 The Red Hawks recap is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Remember, you can keep up with all the happenings surrounding Roberts Wesleyan Athletics at their website, robertsredhawks.com. Get scores, highlights, and more. Or follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Red Hawks. This has been the Red Hawks recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances, and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Benson and Barletta taking you through the hour here on the Beyond the Game program, mixing sports, 
with faith. It was certainly a special kind of college football season in Orlando, Florida. As most sports fans are aware, number 10 UCF kept off an undefeated season going 13-0 with a 34-27 victory over number 7 Auburn on New Year's Day in the Peach Bowl. An exciting football game to watch as a fan, and of course it had the added dimensions of the undefeated season hanging Mm -hmm. in the balance. You got a head coach saying goodbye to his program, which in college football has what? They've had a hundred football bowl games already. And and I understand that New Year's Day lineup, that's their big to do, that's their big deal. But if there was a negative surrounding the Peach Bowl, it's that it was played at twelve thirty in the afternoon, which was only half an hour after the start of the Outback Bowl and half an hour prior to the start of the Citrus Bowl, which meant that there were three games essentially going on at the same time. The Citrus Bowl featuring number 14, Notre Dame, and number 17, LSU, which was a terrific game with a dramatic ending. And the Outback Bowl featured a couple of unranked teams, South Carolina and Michigan, but I like Michigan. I like to watch their games, so I kind of wanted to see all three games, not to mention there was a pretty terrific hockey game going on that Mm -hmm. really had my interest. So I'm trying to watch four sporting events and very hard to do. Uh, I would have liked to have seen them do something different where you could watch these games. But like I said, I know there's only so much time in a day and New Year's Day is their big deal. But the Knights did finish off a 13-0 season, really making a name for themselves in college football. Scott Frost, their head coach, has been a class act, continued to be as he coached the team for the final time, despite already being hired at Nebraska, which is his alma mater. And by the way, where he played as a player uh, and and enjoyed a undefeated season back in 1997, going 13-0, I think it was. Oh, wow. And you know when coaches move from one program to another, they... They say very little that's positive, if anything at all. They usually don't say anything at all about the former program when it comes to recruits because, look, now you're out there recruiting for somebody else. So you just you don't mm-hmm. want to say too much. But that wasn't the case with Scott Frost. After the game, he had this to say. You know, I'll get heat for saying this, but if I'm a recruit out there, I want to come play at UCF. It's a... It's an incredible campus. It's an incredible opportunity. They're going to come in and play with some unbelievable human beings and football players. I thought that was a classy thing to say on way yeah. out the door. I, I just thought that was a classy thing to do, so I wanted to mention it. But an undefeated season is something special. Finishing a season, all that work, and, and not having a loss, there are some who think uh, UCF should be figured into the playoff system. Now, I'm not taking anything away from the Knights. What they they did was impressive. They won every time they took the field. But their win over Auburn, impressive as it may, was only their second win over a top 25 team. And it took them, I think, double overtime to beat number 20 Memphis. I just don't see them as one of the top four teams in the country. I don't even see them as one of the top eight. And I know what you're going to say. You say, well, they can only play the games on their schedule, and, and that's true, but what would you have the college football playoff committee to do? Leave out Alabama? And a lot of Ohio State fans say Alabama should have been left out, but Alabama's got themselves in the national championship game, so that quiets some of that. Does anybody really believe that UCF is a better football team than Alabama? 
look, if you really think the system is broken because they don't get to play for a title, I I couldn't disagree with you any more than I do. They're good, no doubt about it. And yes, they beat Auburn, and that's impressive, but they're not even one of the top six or seven teams in the country, in my opinion. But that's just me. UCF Athletic Director Danny White, he feels differently. So much so that he said on Wednesday the program has decided to claim a national championship. He will hang a championship banner to recognize this undefeated 2017 season. That's not a perfect season banner. That is a championship banner that he's planning to hang. That's on par with claiming that somehow you live in the United States, you're a rightful United States citizen, but yet Donald Trump isn't your president. (laughs) That's not how this works. He is. Like it or not, he is the president. Like it or not, UCF is not the national champion. White told ESPN on Tuesday, if you take a long view of the history of college football, there's an awful lot of national championships being claimed by universities that didn't accomplish what we accomplished this year in those respective seasons. So we feel we're more than justified to claim our first national championship, and we think it'll be the first of many. I keep saying it. Expanding the playoff format to eight teams, I think, is the right thing to do. And I think that includes every team that's got a realistic stake to saying, hey, we're number one. In this past season, that would include Ohio State. That would include Wisconsin. But it wouldn't include UCF. Heck, I would put Penn State in before I would put them. But as a result of their win over Auburn, I'd probably move UCF up one spot to number nine. You know, they're still not Mm. cracking the top eight. But this claiming, I had to go back and look at it. It's weird. It is weird. Before the BCS, the NCAA did not, they didn't conduct a national championship. They sort of just left it up to the schools to figure it out. And they've had at least 30 different ways that they've decided championships. They had mathematical formulas. They had different polls. It's not unusual for more than one team to claim The same title, this happened as recently as 2003. Both USC and LSU claimed that title. In 2004, USC decided they were national champions. In 1939, they decided this in 2004. In 2012, Texas A&M claimed titles in 1919 and 1927. Minnesota claimed one from 1904. In 2015, Kentucky decided it was time to claim its title from 1950 when they defeated Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. Now, Kentucky was ranked seventh at the time. The AP had already named Oklahoma their national champions. That's the crazy thing about it. Before 1968, the AP would award a national championship before the bowl game, sometimes even before the end of the season if it was very obvious that Somebody was a champion. Somebody's undefeated. Somebody's whatever. The UPI poll, which is now, I think, the USA Today poll, mm-hmm. they didn't make that change until 1973 or 1974, excuse me. So in 1973, you had the situation where Alabama is claiming that national championship, even though they lost to Notre Dame in the bowl game year that year, 24 to 23, because UPI named them before the bowl games. That's, to me, just crazy. That makes no sense. No, it really doesn't. Getting back to US, UCF, Danny White said, it's a proud moment for our university. 
having an undefeated football season is unique, and this is a moment in time we don't want to forget, and it deserves to be memorialized with a national championship banner. I agree, it's a proud moment. It does deserve to be memorialized, but not with a national championship banner. Why? Because that's going to be either Georgia or Alabama, and it's not going to be UCF. Yeah. We have a playoff system to determine that. Look, I, I really like Vietnamese soup. I think you know that. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would claim that chicken pho and fresh spring rolls is probably the best tasting meal a person could have. Would, would you agree with that? No. Just because I make that claim, though, doesn't make it so, does it? Hang your banner. Yeah, I can hang my banner on chicken pho and spring rolls, but obviously that's my 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 claim is is a personal preference. You don't share that personal preference, and that's my point. Some people might tell you that you need to wear a suit to church. That's their personal preference. It just because they claim that doesn't make it so. That's a personal preference that doesn't make it so. But when I say water is wet, well, that's different. You may come up with some argument and try to why well it depends on your personal sensory association or Mm -hmm. some other nonsense that leaves it open to interpretation but at the end of the day water is wet at the end of the day ucf is not the same caliber of, of football team as georgia or alabama they're a good football team they're not one of the top eight but what if i said that jesus is lord Well, that's not open to interpretation either. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11 says, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Bible is clear in declaring that Jesus is Lord. So regardless of what I may claim, regardless of what argument I might try to invoke, the fact remains unchanged. Of course, as a Christian, I I, I need to be graceful. I need to be loving to somebody who would disagree with those views, but tolerance doesn't mean that everybody gets to be right. I can tolerate your view, but that doesn't make you right. Differing points of view does not mean that we give up what we know to be true. Some may claim that there are many ways to get to heaven, while others may tell you that simply you just need to be a good person because God loves everybody. And while the latter part of that statement is true, That's the only part of that statement that's true. God does love everyone so much so that he made a way to heaven. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But the Bible says that he is the only way to heaven. Jesus said to him in John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And in Acts 4.12, it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There just isn't other options for us to choose from, which is why so many miss it, because the devil wants you to think there are. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. 
for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Some may say this is narrow-minded, to which I would argue that is it narrow-minded to suggest that water only freezes below 32 degrees? Uh, look, I, I don't think it's prudent to worry about it being narrow-minded. What I think you ought to worry about is whether or not that's true. Mm-hmm. Is that claim true? Jesus is the only way because he's the only one who lived a life without sin. But then he gave that life to pay for your sins, Zach, my sins, and the sins of the world. And certainly none of us would claim to be perfect as as he was or claim that we have never sinned. First John 1 John 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But even though we are all sinners... There is hope in the very next verse, because First John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God calls everyone to repentance, and he offers redemption to those who will accept him. We sinners need God's forgiveness, and that forgiveness is available because of his grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Jesus Christ died on the cross for all of us. He was buried. Then he rose again three days later, proving he had power over death. Do you believe that? The choice is yours, because God's not going to force himself on you. Will you accept the free gift he offers and ask God to forgive you of your sins? It's actually quite simple, really. It comes down to what you believe, not what you claim, what you believe. John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. I want to encourage you to talk to God. Tell him you know you're a sinner. Tell him you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. Start a new life. Repent from those sins. Seek after God. Romans 10, 9, and 10, this is really the the plan of salvation in a nutshell. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. If you want to know more about what it is to be a Christian, visit our website, btgprogram.com. There's a tab Know Jesus, K-N-O-W, Jesus, it's there on the upper right. Click on that and all the information is there. I'm so glad you've allowed us to be part of your day. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. You're listening to Beyond the Game. 
talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Joining you, this is the Beyond the Game program at BTG program. While the Beyond the Game program is recorded in the BTG studio in Rochester, New York, the podcast is heard all across this great nation and even in places around the world. One of those places this past week was Yukon, Oklahoma, home of the band Cross Canadian Ragweed. That band is disbanded. They broke up back in 2010. The drummer and one of the original founders, Randy Ragsdale. By the way, the name of that band, Cross Canadian Ragweed, is a combination of all the the band members' names. Oh, okay. But Randy Ragsdale left the band to dedicate more time to his autistic son, which very sacrificial thing to do on on his part. That was the end yeah. of Cross Canadian Ragweed. Well, they were pretty, actually pretty good. Garth Brooks spent his childhood growing up in Yukon, Oklahoma. And Cowboys kicker Dan Bailey grew up in the Yukon area, attending Yukon Southwest Covenant High School. Dan Bailey, one of the most accurate kickers in the NFL up until the last two weeks or so of the NFL season. (laughs) And I can't believe how Cowboy fans turned on him so quick. They were all over his stuff. Yeah. Uh, cowboy fans he's one of the best ever guys calm down exactly right wherever you may be listening from today we're glad to have you along to get the podcast visit our website you can also find us on itunes or whatever your favorite podcast source is click subscribe and while you're there take a moment to leave us a review zach let's do some shenanigans you got some statements for us why don't you take it away all right john gruden who is allegedly going to be the next coach of the Raiders, will get the Raiders back into the playoffs next year. I agree, but I think that Jack Del Rio would have just as well. I like the Raiders. I think they're that I think they're much better than the way things turned out for them this season. I'm just not sure about John Gruden. I, I teams have been trying to lure him out of their broadcasting booth, but why? He won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But didn't he do that with Tony Dungy's players pretty much? Pretty much. I just, maybe he is the greatest thing this side of coaching since Bear Bryant. But I really recall some pretty mediocre teams that he was in charge of. I just, it's been 10 years or so. I, I just don't, I don't get it. Maybe he is great, like I said, but I just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, to be honest, I'm going to say no. Shenanigans. Um Look, he was a good coach, but we don't know if he's still a good coach. It doesn't take long for the NFL game to pass a coach by as teams adapt and learn new things, and it's a copycat league, and they copy whatever's been successful the most recently. And also, the Raiders team has some holes. I mean, we've heard that they might be cutting Michael Crabtree. They're going to need to replace him. They need to find a running back. Marshawn Lynch is not the answer. They're going to have to fix the defense, especially the secondary. Um to be honest, I don't know that he can do that in one season. So I'm going to say shenanigans. 
The Miami Dolphins season ended with their loss to the Bills on Sunday, but star wide receiver Jarvis Landry's season ended earlier than that when he was ejected early in the third quarter after instigating a brawl. Landry is set to test free agency this offseason, so truth or shenanigans, Landry will be back in Miami. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a good fit. He's a terrific player. I, I they, they like him. Uh, he seems to want to return. There's going to be other teams interested, but I think he's back in Miami. I'm going to say shenanigans again. Uh, look, I think he should be back in Miami. I think they're a team that needs to be adding weapons, not subtracting. But some of the comments that their coaching staff made um, about his behavior during that game sounded like they've had just about enough of the guy. And he seems to do this every time he plays the Bills. And to be honest, his game is exactly what the Patriots love to do. I think we can count on the Patriots throwing a whole bunch of money at him this offseason. So, no, I don't think he'll be back in Miami. The New York Rangers, my New York Rangers, beat the Buffalo Sabres in overtime in the Winter Classic outdoor game on New Year's Day. Truth or shenanigans, the Winter Classic is better than the NHL All-Star game. What do you think? I say yes. Yeah, I uh, agree with you. I, you know, look, I wouldn't want to be one of the people sitting out there. That um, was really cold. But you look at the All-Star game, and it's interesting. The three-on-three format is fun. But, you know, it doesn't really mean anything. And... You know, this game was just, there's just something about hockey being played outside with snow piled up off, outside the glass. And, you know, these are, you know, the Rangers need points. The Sabres are out of it, but this game actually means something in the standings. And, you know, I, I just enjoyed it more than I do the All-Star game. So I will say true. Yeah. And I agree with you. And, and you said it. The game means something. Besides that, you're, you're talking about teams you're familiar with. You're, 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 cheering on sweaters that you're familiar with the all-star game they're wearing a uniform you don't you know it's it's a mix mash mm-hmm. you know just a bunch of different guys are working all these guys in to get everybody an appearance the game it's it's not an exhibition yeah the winter classic is great i love it it's better than the all-star game tagging along with that last question the nhl all-star game should be played outdoors to make it more interesting no i was watching a game with my son and I was telling him, I don't like the stadium series because I feel like all those games sort of water down what is the Winter Classic. I just like that one game. Give me that one game mm-hmm. every year. I, I wouldn't want the All-Star game outside. It's for the fans. As you said in the last statement, you don't want them all sitting outside in the cold. Right. No, I don't think it should be outside. I'm going to disagree with you again, and I'm going to say true. Um I really like the just the aesthetics of the outdoor, the snow and the ice and the seeing the players' breath and all that stuff. And I think it's great. And I think that it would be awesome to have that. Um, I mean, let's be honest. A lot of people here like the Sabres. I wish them well. They're not good. To have a game like this with two really good teams of the best players in the game would be really awesome, I think. Now, I don't think it will ever happen because you can't have guys getting hurt outside you know, on on that ice in the All-Star game. But I do think it would be really fun. Yeah, I disagree. There's the unpredictability of the weather. I just, and I I, I do, I agree with everything you're saying about the outside game being so great. And that's why I think it should be that one game. That one game is special. Real quick, let me tell you what it is that I like this week. First Thessalonians 5.16 simply says, Rejoice evermore. And the Buffalo Bills are what I like this week, not simply for making the playoffs, but for the sheer joy they showed in multiple videos that have gone viral this week. My favorite being of Kyle Williams, who, of course, scored that magnificent touchdown for Buffalo. 
But his sharing a moment with his two boys on the field and then in the locker room, the joy of the Buffalo Bills is what I like. You like that? This week. You like that? What I like this week sort of piggybacks off yours, and it's what I... It was something that Buffalo Bills fans did in the hours following the Bengals' win over the Ravens that allowed the Bills to clinch that final wildcard spot. We know Bills fans are a creative bunch from their table-smashing pregame antics and the colorful phrases they chant at opposing fans, but they took it to a new level this week by making donations to the Andy and Jordan Dalton Foundation, which supports children with illnesses and special needs and was founded by the Bengals quarterback. Bills fans have been making donations of $17, representing the 17-year playoff drought that Dalton and the Bengals helped them end on Sunday. Within the first 24 hours after the game, Bills fans had already donated over $37,000. The total kept rising. It was $100,000. It was $170,000. At the time of this recording, Bills fans have donated over $270,000 to the charities run by Dalton and Bengals wide receiver Tyler Boyd, who caught that touchdown. The creative generosity of Bills fans is what I liked this week. You like that? You like that? That was, that's been an incredible. It's amazing. It's just one of those things that just sort of happens out of nowhere and you love it. This has been the Beyond the Game program. If you want to know more about our show, visit the website, btgprogram.com. You can find more information about the program. You can find past broadcasts. And then detailed information about what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ and how you can know him as your Savior. You can also make a donation to this radio ministry. The program is listener-supported, so we need the support of listeners like you to be able to do what we do, which is bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to listeners all around the world through Sports Talk Radio. Not too many faith-based sports talk shows on the air. I hope you'll consider partnering with us and becoming a financial supporter of this radio ministry. And don't forget to check out the Myth and Mysteries podcast. Producing this show isn't the only thing Zach Barletta does. He does a ton of research so that he and his brother Spencer can tell you some pretty interesting stories. Try them out, Myth and Mysteries. It's available on iTunes and Google Play or visit their website, mythandmysteriespod.com. For the aforementioned Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold. It'd be great this week, everybody. Go Bills. Go Bills.